Hi, I'm Carmen LeBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Uh, today is Wednesday, October the 19th. I lost track of the fact yesterday that it was Tuesday and I forgot to pick up a kid from school, mm-hmm. which is one of my afternoon responsibilities on Tuesday. So there you go. Um, if you've ever wondered, why does Carmen always remind us what day of the week it is? It's because Carmen needs the reminder of the day of the week. There you go. Maybe you do too. Um, thanks so much for including me in your day today. Where in the word are you today? That is um, probably the most important question before any of us get out the door and out there into the world that God so loves. Uh, let's make sure we are in the word of God, that the word of God would find its way into our hearts and minds, that we would be not only rightly focused um, on the Lord, but that we would invite, um, you know, invite God to direct our steps, that we would agree to cooperate with the Holy Spirit at work within us. And if you're not a believer, then you're saying to yourself, what is she talking about? So Christians are like literally possessed. We are a a people possessed. And we are not only God's possession, but we are possessed of the Holy Spirit of the living God. And so if you've ever wondered, like, why are Christians different? Like, what what makes them different? Well, we're literally possessed of a different spirit than the spirit of the world. Um, And that means that we think differently. We see things differently. Hopefully we speak differently and behave differently um, as we bring the mind of Christ to bear not only in our thought life, but in in the way that we live out our life of faith, um, step by step. Life, uh, if you take it apart, living in faith every day, or living in faith every step of the day, or every moment of the day, however you want to you know translate the E there. All right, you're growing the faith, or are growing your faith. Verse of the day, which you can sign up for at MyFaithRadio.com, and it would already be in your inbox this morning. Um, Today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from Matthew chapter 6. Again, we're spending time um, in the Sermon on the Mount, and we have arrived at Matthew 6, 19 to 21. So again, if you had a red letter edition of the Bible, then um, this would all be in red because Jesus is speaking here. Oh, speaking of the red letter, um, red letters. So Bill Arnold, my colleague Bill Arnold, is doing um, this series on his show in the afternoons. Um, here on the Faith Radio Network uh, on on Red Letters. And so his guest today in the Red Letters series is me. Mm-hmm. So if you don't uh, if you don't ordinarily listen to Bill Arnold's show, um, you know, tune in today because you know, th- then he'll invite me back because we'll have more people listening today than normal. <laughs> I know. There you go. It's not competitive at all. Uh, Matthew 6, 19 to 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, Jesus says, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
Okay, so um, I think one of the most anxiety-producing activities that people engage in, particularly right now, is checking on the current valuation of their financial accounts. Like, let's just talk about how much stress that produces in our lives right now. So on average, Americans who have 401ks or, you know, retirement investment accounts, just this calendar year, have lost 25% of the value of those investments. Just in 2022, um, across the board. Uh, you know, a, a quarter of a loss. So if you're checking those numbers, trust me when I tell you, it's going to produce anxiety because you're going to be like, somebody burned down a quarter of my barn. Um, so to to be frank, um, I haven't looked. And maybe you think that's foolish, but in reality, what can I do about it? I mean, I'm in it for the long haul. Um, I'm diversified. All of my, you know, eggs are not in one basket. I am going to ride it out anyway. Um, and so... Um, other than increase my stress and anxiety, what actual good would it do for me to look right now at the depletion of that account? It's really um, going to be a loss 10 years from now when I anticipate starting to draw from sources that I'm currently like setting aside for retirement, right? So that's my 21st century American brain talking. Hey, 10 years from now, um, I'm going to need what's in there. I'm going to need what's in that barn, what I've been storing up in that barn, So I'm trying to bring the mind of Christ who says, hey, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but store up for yourself, you know, treasures in heaven, because where your treasure is there, your heart is also. So where's your heart? That's really the question Jesus is provoking us to ask today. Where is my heart? What is my heart fixed on? So, you know, Jesus says, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where economic recession or war halfway around the world or bad decisions by your own government are going to destroy what's there. Um, you know, where the enemy can use market fluctuations to steal your joy, but instead store up for yourself treasures in heaven, do good to others, help people in immediate need, leverage all that you have um, to do all that you can do in the days that you've been given. I mean, literally, you can't take it with you. And where you're going, you're not going to need it anyway. That'd be heaven. So, yeah, I recognize that that's Carmen's, uh, you know, morning paraphrase of the words of Jesus, but it's true. He also tells a parable on the subject about storing things up in your barn and um, what a fool you are if you think, hey, I need to build bigger barns. Um, so we're going to talk about barns. Yep. We're actually going to talk about American barns. That's up next with Jeff Bilbro. Do you have a barn? What are you keeping there? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Jeff Bilbro is back. You can find him at Grove City College. You can also find him at Front Porch Republic, where he is uh, the person who aggregates something called the Water Dipper. And everything we're going to talk about today is on the Water Dipper. Good morning. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Carmen. All right. um, Do you have a barn? If you have a barn, how many stories is your barn? And if you have a barn, what are you keeping in it? All good questions. And no, I don't have a barn, sadly. But I have been in Josh's barn. And uh, it's a beautiful barn. And, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people who am fascinated by the barns that I drive by uh, on a daily basis around where I live in Western PA. And I think Josh's essay just does a great job of exploring the kind of living history that so many American barns 
cows, that they've been used for so many different purposes over the years, that they're very adaptable as different um, farming economies rise and subsequently fall, and that they are more than merely kind of uh, kitschy nostalgic symbols, but that they can be uh, sites of continued production and that we can uh, think about how we might repurpose them for um, contemporary uses. And I think, you know, he doesn't talk about this, but I'm always encouraged by people who find ways to salvage the remarkable lumber that's often found in these old barns and uh, repurpose them for, you know, many more years because some of that stuff, they don't grow like that anymore. That's exactly right. So when we moved from Indiana to Florida, when I was, I don't know if I was six or seven, um, but it was that summer. Uh, and and the bottom of our tractor trailer that moved all of our stuff, um, I remember that the bottom of that tractor trailer was was laid about a half a foot deep with barn siding because my wow. mom had this barn siding in our barn in Indiana. And she's like, I'm not leaving it behind. I don't know what I'm doing with it in Florida, but I'm taking that barn siding with me. And let me tell you, yeah. that is some that was some heavy wood. Um, and eventually it was repurposed um, for use in a, um, you know, in a house that we lived in there. Um, but yeah, it's beautiful. Barn siding is beautiful. And I love the repurposing of, um, and, and like you, as I'm driving around, I have such a deep appreciation for barns. I like the ones that look like there's like a face because of the way that the doors and, um, and then, you know, two upper windows have been cut out. Or I love the ones that yep. have that hayloft with that thing that swings out. Like I, there's, there's really nothing about a barn that I don't love. Um, and so uh, I really appreciated this American Barn essay by Joshua Maybe that you um, highlighted for us this week at the Water Dipper. Um, also made me think of the whole trend toward um, barn dominiums. And so right. if, you're not from, if you're not familiar with the barn dominium, that would be um, maybe a follow-up uh, topic for, for Joshua. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, that's a good point. Uh, I, I think you're right, though, that, that one of the great... I don't know, uh, blessings of a barn is that they have such a long life and that they, in a culture like ours where so often things are built quickly and uh, when they've, you know, when their purpose has uh, no longer serves their purpose, they get torn down. But barns have stood and many people take a lot of effort to maintain them, keep, keep the roofs repaired. And oftentimes they can serve as wedding venues or, you know, in Josh's case, lecture series and Christmas markets, um, that kind of creative adaptation and reuse, I think, is a, a, a wise way of um, sustaining a, a living kind of history. All right. If you're listening right now and you're thinking, hey, Carmen should have a speaking tour and it should be in barns across America. Yes. Yeah, that'd be fun. You guys could organize that. You could totally, Jeff would probably join me. We could, we could come up with all kinds of fun things to say in your barn or over your barn. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. There you go. Um, all right. We um, we might skip over the 26-story pig house that is under construction in China. But, hey, if you want to know about um, producing 1.2 million pigs per year in one building, yeah, that's what's underway in China. And you can find the link to that story on this week's Water Dipper at Front Porch Republic. Uh, as always, all of it will be linked in the show notes today at MyFaithRadio.com. We're talking with Jeff Bilbro. When we come back, we're going to talk about Christian nationalism, the two words, the two words put together 
um, and what people who describe themselves as Christian nationalists are saying about themselves. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Hey, I'm Susie Larson. Hey, if you enjoy what you're listening to here, would you consider subscribing to other great faith radio podcasts like mine? Search Susie Larson Live at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit subscribe and have a great day. All right, if you were to type into your search engine the words Christian nationalism and then uh, hit the news hit the news button, you are going to come up with um, a list of headlines today, just today. Um, one from the Pennsylvania Capital Star, where Pennsylvania clergy and Christian, Christian nationalism isn't Christian. This is why. You're going to um, see a headline in the Philadelphia Inquirer, Reawaken America Proves That Christian Nationalism Isn't Christian. Um, you're going to see a headline in Al Jazeera, Is Christian Nationalism on the Rise in the United States? In Politico, Most Republicans to Support Declaring the United States a Christian Nation. Well, that one's from a few weeks back now, but it's still populating on my news feed. Um, when I type in Christian nationalism. So what is Christian nationalism and what do people who identify as Christian nationalists say about themselves? If you were to look in the water dipper at frontporchrepublic.com, you would find a linked article entitled Confessions of a Christian Nationalist. Uh, Rachel Liu is the author. Jeff, um, what does Rachel uh, say? Yeah, I mean, as you say, and you've been on this beat for a long time, this is such a hot topic right now. But so many of the, the essays about Christian nationalism, I find, are rather simplistic and fear-mongering on one way or the other, right? Either it's a sort of yep. full-throated defense of Christian nationalism or it's saying Christian nationalism is uh, going to mark the end of American democracy or something kind of crazy. And I think Rachel does a really nice job of first kind of breaking down the term and looking at some of the surveys that sociologists use to define Christian nationalism and to try to measure its prevalence. And yeah, I think she's right that a lot of these surveys are really clumsy instruments. And and we've talked about this in the past too. And so we need to take them with a grain or two of salt. But then she does spend some time saying, well, you know, she would be classified as a Christian nationalist according to a lot of these instruments. She's really concerned, as I think faithful Christians should be, with some of the ways that Christianity gets politicized and uh, some of the ways that politicians try to use religion to um, get people to vote for them. And, and we can critique that without uh, trying to imagine a politics that is somehow scrubbed of religion, that it's okay to, to uh, bring our faith convictions with us as we engage in public debates. But we also need to not uh, have an idolatrous understanding of the nation and keep a, a clear uh, divide in our imaginations between the church and uh, our earthly city that we belong to. So if you um, missed our recent conversation with Dr. Richard Mao on how to be a patriotic Christian, love of country as love of neighbor, um, that conversation on this topic was particularly good. So was um, the conversation that we had recently. Um, The book uh, is Truth Over Tribe. Um, That was was a good um, conversation starter and and place to go in terms of this conversation. We do talk about this a fair amount here um, because I do think 
that lots of folks who are listening right now would, um, like Rachel, be characterized as quote unquote Christian nationalists um, in terms of, you know, do do I think that um, the United States of America was founded by people who had a love of God and revered him and view um, Christian principles as the substantive foundation of who we are as a people? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And and do I value that? Yeah. Do I think that we're supposed to be a theocracy? No. I mean, am I confused about whether or not we are a Christian nation? No, I'm not confused about that at all. Um, there are Christians who live in the United States of America, but we're certainly not a Christian nation. And to suggest that I want us to be a theocracy is just foolishness. But that gets, uh, you know, that's actually deep into a conversation versus just labeling people so that I can stick them in some kind of category. Yeah, exactly. And I think the two people you mentioned, uh, the, the folks behind Truth of Our Tribe and Richard Mao, are great examples of Christians thoughtfully, um, you know, claiming their adherence, their allegiance to Christ, and then trying to think about how to love their neighbors and engage in politics and advocate for policies on the basis of those faith convictions without uh, in any way pretending that uh, they're trying to be part of a theocracy. Yeah, so there's a lot exactly. of, for all the kind of heat, I guess, about this conversation, there are plenty of good Christians doing uh, good work in thinking about public theology. Um, all right. So because we have two minutes left, I can ask you one of those like random, um, random questions. Can I ask a random question today? Sure. Mm-hmm. So um, is there any chance you still have a Christmas tree up in your house? No. Mm-hmm. Because well, one of my guests later today, Jessica Peck, who is, um, I mean, she's a she's a doctor, she's a physician, but she's also, um, you know, a, a mom and she loves Christmas. And one of the fun facts that I've learned about her in my research and preparation is that she loves Christmas so much that she actually leaves one tree up all year in her house. Now, I'm going to ask about that, so I thought I'd ask other people today as well. Any any chance anybody else is doing that? Because, you know, I just want to see like how you... I that's pretty unusual unusual habit i i also suspect that it's small like yeah. i don't think it's like the it's christmas tree size. right i mean and it's made of something that you know it's it's metal or something right and and, and yeah, if i, I like start thinking christmas about it that way smell but then yeah, they don't see, last one mm-hmm, mm-hmm, me too and that when you do put them like on your outside burn pile they're they, they get that sizzle because they're so dry and smell yes. so good and yeah mm-hmm. yeah don't start an outside fire if there's a drought where you are. That is my um, definitely do not take that as a suggestion. If you still have a Christmas tree in your house, do not haul it out today and burn it in your yard because that sounds like a, just a bad idea all the way around. I mean, I'm, yeah, I know. Well, sometimes, Jeff, we just have to offer just plain good old-fashioned advice. Yeah. Um, all right. On, uh, on another topic, um, coffee or tea, or my kids would want to know, coffee, tea, or hot chocolate? Well, coffee and tea, but not usually hot mm-hmm. chocolate. Mm-hmm. And um, they're, they're anything, anything in your coffee? No, I like my coffee black, but I always have a little bit of milk with my tea. Interesting. Well, see, there you go. Learning things mm-hmm. today. All right, and mm-hmm. what's on your um, what's like on your nightstand in terms of like reading? Do you have a Do you always have a stack of books going? And if so, what's one of them? Yeah, well, uh, since I recently moved to Western PA, I've become interested in the history of the Seven Years' War, the French and Indian War, which got kicked off in my uh, backyard, more or less. So I'm reading this massive book called The Crucible of War uh, about the 
the French and Indian War that, that began right here in western Pennsylvania. What weapons did the um, Indians have available to them in the French and Indian War? Well, they had plenty of the kind of muskets that they traded with from uh, their allies, the Europeans. But but uh, they also used, you know, the typical tomahawk and bow and arrow. So it was a whole the whole gamut. Hmm. Well, because I was thinking, you know, does that mean that your backyard is a good place to look for for arrowheads? But probably not, because that's probably like a, maybe a whole generation too late. Yeah, probably. Yeah. There you go. You can come to my house and look for um, look for arrowheads on the riverbank because they're they're there frequently. Because wow. yeah, cool. I live in yeah one of those parts of the country. All right. See, there you go. Um, all kinds of topics today that were not on our list to discuss because this is a real conversation. That's right. <sighs> Jeff, um, blessings on your day, brother. Um, I hope it's as beautiful where you are as it is where I am. Um, we seem to be at like peak leaf um, and uh, and it's getting cold and all of that, um, you know, pretends a change of the seasons. And, and I love that. So thank you so yeah, much for joining. We had our first joining. snow of the year this morning. Oh, <gasps> really? Okay. You must, yeah. you must text us a picture. Just, you know, <laughs> out the window with your camera, 877-933-2484. Just text us a picture of the first snow in Western PA. It's lovely. That's fun. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. All right, that's Jeff Bilbro. You can find him at Grove City College, where he teaches English, or you can find him at FrontPorchRepublic.com, where he aggregates something called the Water Dipper every week. And it's just a great um, resource for widening and expanding what you're reading. Really good stuff. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. All right, did you send your kids off to school today? Um, How would you react or respond if you found out that the school to which you had been sending your kids or the school to which you sent your kids a generation ago has had significant radioactive contamination present since the end of the Second World War? So that is what has happened at the Jana Elementary School in Hazelwood, um, the, the Hazelwood School District in St. Louis, Missouri. The Army Corps of Engineers um, completed a study and a report has been issued by Boston Chemical. And that um, report shows that there is significant, significant radioactive contamination throughout the elementary school in this suburban St. Louis neighborhood. Um, the school sits on a floodplain and apparently the... Um, the water there was contaminated by nuclear waste from weapons production during World War II, and um, that you know leached over years downstream into the soil beneath the school, and then over time, literally throughout the school building. Um, and so there were samples taken within the school, um, and there is significant radioactive um, matter in the library, in the kitchen, in the classrooms, in the fields, in the playgrounds, in the cafeteria. Um, so, you know, ideas have consequences and there are lots of things that, um, flow downstream. So what are you downstream of historically? What are you downstream of geographically? Um, yes, this could be a conversation about nuclear energy and nuclear weapons and radioactive fallout. Um, and now what must be done not only to physically clean up this site, but, you know, where are those kids going to now go to school and, you know, what does it look like, um, 
for for their health and actually the health of generations of students who have gone to school in this building. But I think that from a Christian worldview, one of the conversations that we could move to is the conversation about ideas having consequences and what is downstream of the ideas of, of sort of the cultural um, zeitgeist of the day. Um, if you missed the conversation that we had yesterday with Elisa Childers, let me encourage you to go back and listen to that. She talks about the progressive um, ideas of the day and the, the hold that those have on the way that we think. Um, and then, you know, she talks about, you know, how, how do you live like by truth in, in a day in which um, literally the soil upon which we're living and the buildings that we inhabit are so contaminated by lies? Like, how do you even detect those? Um, and how do you live downstream um, of that kind of really, really deadly ideology? So um, what are you downstream of? Ideas have consequences. What, uh, you know, how has your mind and your thought life been infected by the ideas of the day? Good, good, um, good thing to, to think about, even as we're certainly concerned for and praying the news in, in relationship to this Missouri elementary school and the, uh, and the families affected by this. Next up, Ruth Kramer is going to join us. We are going to uh, take a look at what's going on around the world. And uh, Ruth always brings us, you know, reports from the ground, you know, Christians who are on the ground in these places and what's happening um, not only in their lives, but through the ministries of which they are a part. So around the world in just a moment with Mission Network News, Ruth Kramer is going to join us. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. To boldly go where no one has gone before. All right, joining us now, Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News. You can read the headlines that we're discussing today at missionnews.org. Ruth, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I am I am well. All right, so we've got um, an increasing level of um, concern. I mean, as it, it's hard to imagine we could be more concerned about what's going on in Ukraine, but they're now facing um, a real degradation of their power stations. The, the president of Ukraine said yesterday that um, as as Russians uh, continue to attack the power grid, 30% of Ukraine's power stations have now been destroyed just since October the 10th. Um, and so widespread blackouts, winter is fast approaching. You have some news for us from on the ground in Ukraine as well. Yeah, I, you know, this is two weeks in a row of massive bombardment of Ukraine. So you're seeing uh, just kind of this attempt to do a shock and awe campaign against the, the country. Uh, it also really reveals some cracks in what's going on in Russia because they're needing some outside help to continue uh, their their campaign. Um, in this situation, you know, we were wondering immediately if there's no power, how do radio ministries continue to reach people with the hope of Christ? So we're thinking Transworld Radio specifically, our partner uh, in Europe and, and in Ukraine, and we reached out to them to see you know, how their ministry has been affected by these power cuts. Right now, uh, as of this morning, they are safe. The studios are still operating. Ministry is continuing, but private homes have been heavily affected. We'll find out a little bit more uh, with that because we're, we're due to talk to our counterpart in Europe 
uh, within a few hours. So we're, we're going to get some more information from them. But as of last week, when we were talking to them uh, from uh, about the bombardment that was going on, they said that uh, it was uh, having a severe emotional toll on people, even though the studios uh, are still operational and they survived that bombardment from last week. Uh, I think what we're seeing here too, though, is an answer to prayer because they have been asking us to join them in praying for protection of the ministry, for protection of the facilities so that they can continue to inject the hope of Christ into a situation that is so devastating. Radio is uh, is people's lifeline right now. Uh, to information, to comfort, to hope, to hearing something else other than the news that's coming in about uh, the continuing uh, political situation, the, the uh, unraveling of everything that's going on around them. And uh, and it's sort of a distraction as well from the constant bom- emotional and spiritual bombardment that the, the people in Ukraine are experiencing. So we're going to just say continue to pray. God is working. He has protected the ministry uh, in Ukraine uh, for Transworld Radio, as well as some other ministries that are that are still operating. Um, and and we just we this is good news. I mean, this the fact that they're able to uh, have a signal in a time when thirty percent of the country is in in the in the dark is pretty amazing. Um, and all I can say is it's it's wonderful and comforting to see God's hand uh, revealed in a story like this. Yeah, I'm wondering if, um, you know, when you have the opportunity to check in with them again, you know, the threat of Starlink either being disabled or, um, you know, or additional Starlink um, stations not being not being supplied. Um, I'm just kind of wondering if that's a part of the larger conversation in Ukraine in terms of communication. I suspect that it is. Um, and, and certainly I'm not suggesting that a you know, privately held company should just continue to supply something without any government support. But I am interested to know, you know, in terms of the the impact to ministries um, and the ability of people in Ukraine to communicate with one another effectively and certainly people, um, you know, seeking to communicate the good news of the gospel in the midst of all of this. So maybe um, maybe you could add that to the list the next time around. Well, we have asked about some of these questions before, um, and they don't want to reveal too many specifics, just yeah, in like case how they get targeted. Yeah, yeah, um, just because you know we have seen sometimes when a ministry gets enthusiastic about revealing how they're able to continue to share their to to work, um, they do get targeted by the government. That has happened before in Iran. Speaking of Iran, um, I have been uh, following the um, the progress of the story related to the uh, the. You know, internationally recognized female climber who competed in South Korea without her hijab uh, and then very quickly was uh, called to the uh, Iranian consulate in South Korea and was apparently, um, you know, relieved of her passport and and her cell phone um, and put on an airplane. We do know that she landed in Tehran, but then she has disappeared um, and obviously con- concern for her is real. Talk with us about um, what you are hearing on the ground from ministries in the midst of um, these ongoing protests in Iran. This is this is a tough story. It's exciting and it's tough at the same time. I don't know how those two things can, can work in conjunction, but um, over the weekend we were covering the uh, the fire that broke out at Evan Prison 
Evin prison is the, the most notorious prison in Iran where they send all the political prisoners. Um, and uh, it's no it's notorious because of its conditions, because of the reputation it has for torture, um, because that's where a lot of Christians get sent. Uh, be, when they get sentenced after they they run afoul of whatever it is that uh, Iran chooses to charge them with. So hearing that there was a fire uh, at Evan Prison made us ask a few questions like, was this connected to the uprising? And in a, in a, in a way it was, and, and yet it wasn't. Uh, really what it was is the guards were saying, we are in control here. Uh, we've got a whole bunch of new political prisoners that are being sent here from the protests. And we're just going to show you that we are able to uh, instill fear, that you should be afraid, that we are the absolute authority because we represent the government here. And so from what we're hearing from our sources, the the, the fire at Evan Prison was actually started from within by the guards. Um, on top of that, you're seeing some of these other things, these other, other reports that are coming out. Uh, Amnesty International just released a report that indicates that children now are um, uh, are part of the protests. And while it's interesting that children are being part of the protests, it is also interesting to note that the government isn't sparing them in its crackdown. As they're trying to get control of the country, it's just, you know, anybody that's out there, they're going to silence them. Um, according to Amnesty International, Iran's government has been um, has killed 23 children as a result of unlawful force during the protests. And when we're saying children, we're talking about uh, kids between 11 and 17 years old. Um, there were 20 boys and three girls. And this is just something that's uh, bringing to light more of the desperation here. Uh, our partner, International Media Ministries, says that it's unrest that really is at the soul level of the country. Um, and police are going after anything and everybody. They're now rerouting uh, ambulances to prisons. So people who have been injured in the protests as they're being taken away in ambulances, the police are sending them directly to prison. Um, people are ar being arrested in the hospitals. So folks are beginning to die now of injuries in the street or at home in the protests because they're not being allowed uh, or feeling safe to get that medical help that they need to, to get. Um, we're hearing that even with all of this unrest, that um, people are responding to the hope of Christ. Uh, IMM. Their, their focus is trying to get the gospel on every screen uh, in, in their footprint. And um, right now they're working on filming the story of Esther, who stood up to authorities in the Persian Empire. Um, mm -hmm. So it, it very much appeals to people because they, they feel like they're doing something very similar. They're standing up for human rights. They're standing up for religious rights. They're standing up for um, the freedom to be able to choose. And, um, and IMM is hearing that people are responding to their stories. Uh, in fact, another group of people doing media work has told them um, what you're doing is helping all of us. So please continue your work. Please continue your story. Um, and everyone acknowledges that God is at work in this. So we want to encourage you to be praying into the situation because even though Filming the story of Esther doesn't seem like it's directly related. It absolutely is. And the story um, resonates with people right now in Iran. So we're going to um, pivot from Iran and what's going on in the Middle East um, to what's going on very, very close to home here uh, in the United States. We're going to look at the status of things in Haiti. The United States and Mexico um, said on Monday that they're preparing a U.N. resolution that would authorize an international mission to help improve security in Haiti. 
Um, the government there has issued a quote unquote distress call. Um, there is a, uh, you know, it, it's a it's a nation in total chaos. So when we come back, Ruth's going to give us um, some uh, reporting on the ground um, from sources that she's in connection with in Haiti. So you're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. We are praying the news around the world this morning, and we'll be right back. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. And I, I don't want to leave a legacy I don't care if they remember me Only Jesus You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. We're talking with Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News. You can find the headlines we're discussing today and so much more at missionnews.org. Ruth, um... It's hard to imagine that things in Haiti could could be worse, but it seems as if day day after day um, that situation is really deteriorating. We're talking about um, you know a nation that is geographically uh, you know one of our closest neighbors, um, and you know the the United Nations is now predicting nationwide famine. Talk with us about what you're hearing um, from ministries on the ground in Haiti. You know, at some point, I would love to have a good news story coming out of Haiti. Um, it's so hard to hear what's happening in these countries um, where our our partners are on the ground and they're just grinding away. This is years now of uh, instability and unrest, and, and the gangs have taken over uh, in Port-au-Prince, so they run everything. And for a while, the ministries that were north of uh, Port-au-Prince, up in like Cap-Haitian area, were kind of isolated from everything that you're hearing about in 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 the Port-au-Prince area because it just hadn't spread that far and usually it doesn't spread that far but we're hearing now that the violence has is kind of national it's all over the place um, there are gangs that are blocking the roads so that they can prevent shipments from getting places and they can extort um, the different organizations that are trying to get supplies uh, from point A to point B um, there are what they call manifestations. So there, there are riots all over the place now. People are upset with the insecurity, the lack of fuel, transportation issues, food shortages. People are just really upset with the government. And every time the gov- you know, anybody that is representing the government gets on the radio to try to address the situation, it just makes people even more angry. Um, so when we were talking to Christian World Outreach, for example, um, they were telling us the, the situation, uh, the things that their staff have encountered as trying to get up to Cap Haitian. Um, and then we're hearing now that uh, the Dominican Republic is considering building a wall, like a border wall, to keep the Haitians out. So they share the island of Hispaniola, and it's sort of like the haves and the have-nots. You know, the the money is in the Dominican Republic, and the Haitians uh, are trying to get across the border to get jobs and things like that just so that they have some means of support. Um, and it's just so bad that they bring, the violence is coming with them. So the Dominican Republic is trying to keep everybody out from Haiti. Um, 
which adds to difficult country relations. It adds to more of the uh, prejudice that goes on. It's a very difficult situation. Um, and now they're dealing with a cholera outbreak. Uh, so we want to be praying that uh, the ministries that are in this area, in, in Haiti, in working up in the, in the north, are going to be able to continue to work because they're having a hard time getting the supplies now. Our other partner for Haiti with Love has a headquarters up in Cap Haitian with a burn clinic, and their burn clinic almost closed down because they, they ran out of supplies. Um, we can thank the Lord that through prayer, um, the Lord managed to away. To, for those supplies to get back up. It's a very complicated way to explain the story, but um, the supplies did get in, the clinic stayed open, and what they're seeing now with the gang violence in Cap Haitian is many more injuries that are coming in that are not related to burns. So um, we can be praying for the staff that's up there. Um, they're, mm. They only have so many people that are able to help, and they're not getting extra help coming in from the short-term mission teams that they used to get. There used to be a nursing school that came in to, to walk alongside them, but because of the violence and the issues, nobody's coming now. So this ministry for Haiti with Love has been on their own without any outside help, probably for two years. And um, that means they've only got maybe three or four people that are just handling the rotation on the, at the clinic by themselves. With this increase in, in the workload, um, they, they just need us to be praying for rest, for peace. Um, there's something here that I wanted to share with you. Um, one of the clinic workers was talking to a five-year-old boy that came to their clinic. And he was praying about the situation. I want to read to you what he was saying. He said, Dear God, Haiti's in trouble. Please help Haiti. Please make the people change so they will love you. If they love you, they won't do bad things. And I want to go to school. Please make the streets safer again. Hmm. We can certainly um, pray with and for uh, everybody um, in Haiti, and then you know specifically these you know these targeted prayers related to ministries that are on the ground and those serving there. Thank you, um, Bruce, for bringing us this story. Um, when you talk about you know God making a way where there seems to be no way and directly answering prayers, I know you have a good news story for us uh, from the from the Philippines. Could we hear that before we let you go? Sure. Um, our partner, Mission Cry, uh, takes repurposed Bibles and Christian materials. So like Sunday school materials, VBS stuff, uh, Bibles that aren't being read. And people ship them all of these young, uh, no longer used materials. They clean them up, pack them up, and then put them on a sea container and send them out to their partners around the world. In this case, they have a partner in the Philippines, and they sent out a container back in February. The container arrived in uh, due time, and then just sat in the docks. What we were told before was that the uh, dock workers and the customs officials were holding the material, they were holding the container because they either wanted uh, Mission Cry to pay them a bribe to release the materials, or they were trying to sell them for themselves to make some extra money. Um, so they weren't ready, willing to release the materials, and there had been this long negotiation to try to get the container released uh, without much headway. So this is back in February, and we brought the story a couple of weeks ago. Um, last week, the uh, container was actually released. So this is one of those things where the container was released, the distribution's already begun, the partners are celebrating because even though it's the Philippines where there is a large Christian presence, there are a lot of people 
who are desperately seeking um, like the commentaries and the devotional helps, the extra Bibles uh, to disciple uh, new believers. There are seminaries that have been requesting materials. And so that's what Mission Cry was doing, was sending them these repurposed materials. Um, and and the, the holdup was something that uh, was interfering with ministry. So this is a huge answer to prayer that for I guess it was just suddenly like a switch was turned and the customs officials decided it wasn't worth their time and they just released the container. Um, so this is a massive answer to prayer. It's just huge. Oh, thank you so much. Um, so many things being covered at Mission Network News. You guys should be reading all of it, missionnews.org. Ruth, as always, um, thank you so much. Keep up the good work. And um, you know, thank you for bringing us stories of, of hope um, and answered prayers and then also you know, helping us to to pray for our brothers and sisters deployed by God around the world in so many spaces and places, um, you know, where, the I mean, it's so much brokenness and so much need, and, and yet God has his people on the ground um, doing good work. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much for praying. Yeah, absolutely. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. All right. Um, somebody uh, texted in and asked a question about the uh, baby formula story. Like what, you know, what's happening with all of that? Apparently there is still a shortage that some people are experiencing, but um, actually more infants are, are getting special baby formula than need it. So this is an interesting um, look at what's happening. There are uh, lots of folks. This, this study is from the Clinical and Experimental Allergy um, Group. And they have concluded that there are a lot more healthy infants getting hypoallergenic versions of formula than, than babies that actually require it. So looking at three years leading up to the pandemic, researchers found that 5.5% of formula that was purchased was of a hypoallergenic variety when only 1.3% of children are actually allergic to the proteins in cow's milk. So lots of folks who don't need to be using hypoallergenic um, baby formula are um, are using it or have been using it. And um, 59% of all formula sold was lactose-reduced um, or some kind of... Uh, included some kind of carbohydrate that was not lactose. So um, so there you go. The downside is lactose intolerant um, kids aren't getting what they need because there's a lot of kids who don't need lactose intolerant formula that, you know, whose parents are buying it for them. So there you go. Um, if your kid doesn't need it, you know, go go with the regular stuff or, you know, breast milk. There, there you go. Um, that would be my update on the baby formula story. Thanks for asking. You can always send me your questions or questions about stories we've covered in the past and you want updates on at MyFaithRadio.com or Carmen at MyFaithRadio.com. That's my email address. Or on the text line, 877-933-2484. we got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.